Welcome to the Bible in the News. This week, President Obama gave his annual State of the Union speech. It was full of his usual pompous bluster. He boldly stated, My first duty as Commander-in-Chief is to defend the United States of America. In doing so, the question is not, in doing so, the question is not whether America leads in the world, but how. When we make rash decisions, reacting to the headlines instead of using our heads, when the first response to a challenge is to send in our military, then we risk getting drawn into unnecessary conflicts and neglect the broader strategy we need for a safer, more prosperous world. That's what our enemies want us to do. I believe in a smarter kind of American leadership. We lead best when we combine military power with strong diplomacy, when we leverage our power with coalition building, when we don't let our fears blind us to the opportunities that this new century presents. That's exactly what we're doing right now. And around the globe, it is making a difference. Claiming to act as the world's intelligent policeman, he boasted of America's achievements and its resolve not to get dragged into another Middle East ground war. He went on to state, In Iraq, in Syria, American leadership, including our military power, is stopping ISIL's advance. Instead of getting dragged into another ground war in the Middle East, we are leading a broad coalition, including Arab nations, to degrade and ultimately destroy this terrorist group. Many politicians in America have argued that the war against ISIL will not be successful without boots on the ground. And Bible prophecy indicates that there will be a Western presence in the area of modern-day Jordan and Saudi Arabia, as Daniel describes in chapter 11, verse 41, reading from the ESV. He shall come into the glorious lands, and tens of thousands shall fall, but there sh these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab, and the main part of the Ammonites. Ezekiel also explains the force will be there in this area of time, and who it will be. We read in chapter 38, verse 13, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to take away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods and a great spoil? Well, one of those young lions, or merchants of Tarshish, reiterated this week its resolve to assist in the war against ISIS or ISIL as Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper defended Canada's mission in Iraq. What we're doing and what we want to see, uh, we, we want to help, we want to uh, advise and assist Iraqi forces, particularly the Kurdish forces, uh, to lead the combat themselves. And that's what they are doing. Uh, but, uh, and l let me be clear, but let me be clear, this is a robust mission. We're there to make those guys effective so they can take on the Islamic State and deal with them. And if those guys fired us, we're going to fire back and we're going to kill them, just like our guys did, and we're very proud of the job they're doing in Iraq. Well, Obama also took aim at Russia in his State of the Union address. We're demonstrating the power of American strength and diplomacy. We're upholding the principle that bigger nations can't bully the small by opposing Russian aggression and supporting Ukraine's democracy and reassuring our NATO allies. Last year, as we were doing the hard work of imposing sanctions along with our allies, as we were 
reinforcing our presence with the frontline states. Mr. Putin's aggression, uh, it was suggested, was a masterful display of strategy and strength. That's what I heard from some folks. Well, today, it is America that stands strong and united with our allies, while Russia is isolated with its economy in tatters. That's how America leads, not with bluster, but with persistent, steady resolve. Well, what do the Russians think about Obama's statement? They haven't been slow in responding. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, addressed the press in his annual speech the day following Obama's State of the Union address. He clearly stated, relations between Moscow and Washington have become seriously acute on the American front. The U.S. administration has wrapped up bilateral dialogue in most areas. We call on our American partners to return to the path of constructive mutual activities on bilateral issues, as well as on the world arena where our countries carry great responsibility. He continued, the Americans have taken a path of confrontation, completely and uncritically assessing their own steps. And President Obama's speech yesterday shows that there is only one in the center of his philosophy. We are number one, and everyone else just needs to understand that. He went on to state, the Americans have already been forced to turn for help and form coalitions as they cannot solve the issues alone. This happened in Iraq and is in continuing in the fight against the so-called Islamic State. In his retort, Lavrov also claimed that the EU is not quite as behind the USA as it would like to think. He said, we know that different points of view are expressed within the European Union, but this stage, when mo almost half of the member states start to insist on lifting sanctions, shows that when such decisions are made based on collective responsibility, mechanically, following the U.S. partners, then it becomes very difficult to pull back. Lavrov insisted that Obama's attempt to isolate Russia will not work. He said, we hear a lot of statements from our Western partners about the need to isolate Russia. The president of the United States, Obama, thought appropriate to say almost the same thing during his address to the nation yesterday. All these attempts will yield no results. While in the State of a Union, Obama also claimed to have dealt with Iran effectively. He stated, Our diplomacy is at work with respect to Iran, where for the first time in a decade we've halted the progress of its nuclear program and reduced its stockpile of nuclear material. Between now and this spring, we have a chance to negotiate a comprehensive agreement that prevents a nuclear-armed Iran, secures America and our allies, including Israel, while avoiding yet another Middle East conflict. There are no guarantees that negotiations will succeed. And I keep all options on the table to prevent a nuclear Iran. So on one hand, he claims sanctions against Russia have been successful in isolating and backing it off from bullying other nations. And yet on the other hand, he claims that sanctions are not the answer for Iran and will guarantee diplomacy fails. So how is Iran different from Russia? It has a proxy army in the Hezbollah and has been provoking Israel with terror tentacles. Yet sanctions are not in line here, nor is military action. Well, it would seem Israel is not valued as much as the Ukraine. 
After all, there is terrorism from Paris to Pakistan, but Israel, where terror attacks strike all the time, somehow doesn't get mentioned. Well, the Russian response to America's stand on Syria and Iran is predictable based on Bible prophecy. The scriptures state that the coalition coming against Israel will be led by Russia and will include Iran. We read in Ezekiel 38, verses 3 to 5, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, according to the RV and Young's literal, which is Russia, Meshach, or Muscovoy, or Moscow, and Tubal, the area of Tobolsk. And I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws and will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia or Iran, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. So no surprise what happened Tuesday of this week as reported in the Business Insider. In Tehran on Tuesday, Russian defense minister Sergei Shoigu and his Iranian counterpart, defense minister, defense minister Hussein Dakhan, signed an agreement on military cooperation between the two countries, according to the state-controlled news agency TASS. The Russian defense minister Sergei Shoigu stated, the signing of the intergovernmental agreement on military cooperation today became a significant step in the strengthening of these relations. The theoretical basis of cooperation in the military sphere has been established. We have agreed to expand the practice of visits of warships in Russia and Iranian ports. The article also stated... Shoyu noted that the thinking of Russia and Iran regarding the situation in the Middle East and Afghanistan was closer and coincides. No surprise. The article went on to describe the drawing closer of the two nations, as the Iranian defense minister Hussein Dakhan stated. Emphasis was placed on the need for cooperation between Russia and Iran in the joint struggle with intervention of outside forces in the region. The situation in the region and in the world requires that a powerful Russia and a powerful Iran jointly promote the strengthening of international security and regional stability. He went on to say Iran and Russia are able to confront the expansionist intervention and greed of the United States through cooperation, synergy, and activating strategic potential capacities. As two neighbors, Iran and Russia have common viewpoints towards political, regional, and global issues. So while Obama is claiming effectiveness and reducing the Iranian nuclear threat, Russia is planning to build more reactors. The article stated, Russia is planning on building nuclear reactors for Iran, even while Moscow works with Western powers on negotiating a deal to curb Iran's nuclear program. The two countries also reportedly inked a five-year deal that included closer tiles in the oil and gas sector, construction, and rebuilding the generating capacity, development of power supply network infrastructure, machinery, consumer goods, and agriculture. Not only this, but the Iranian defense minister said the two countries decided to settle the missile problem. Ria Novostai, the Russian international news agency, reported Colonel General Leonard Ivanshov as stating, 
a step was taken in the direction of cooperation on the economy and arms technology, at least such defensive systems as the S-300 and S-400. Probably we will deliver them, he went on to state. Well, these are the very missiles that Netanyahu went to Moscow to ask Putin not to ship to Syria, Iran's proxy. Military supply of Iran and Syria is to be expected, as the Bible clearly states in chapter 38 of Ezekiel, when he turns them back and hooks in their jaws and brings them down, they come clothed with all sorts of armor, a great company with bucklers and shields, and when Persia's with them, they're handling swords and they come with shield and helmet. While in his State of the Union address, Obama took a swipe at the Republican-dominated Congress and Senate on the issue of Israel and Iran. He boldly stated, But new sanctions passed by this Congress at this moment in time will all but guarantee that diplomacy fails, alienating America from its allies, making it harder to maintain sanctions, and ensuring that Iran starts up its nuclear program again. It doesn't make sense. And that's why I will veto any new sanctions bill that threatens to undo this progress. The American people expect us only to go to war as a last resort. And I intend to stay true to that wisdom. Throughout Obama's foreign policy portion of the speech, the Speaker of the House, Republican John Boner, remained stone-faced. It didn't take long for the Republicans to strike back. They did so by taking the unprecedented step of inviting Benjamin Netanyahu to come to Washington and addressed a combined house without informing the White House. In a news conference, Boner stated, Another uh, priority is protecting uh, the United States and our allies overseas. That's why I've, I've invited uh, Prime Minister of Israel, but, uh, Benjamin uh, Netanyahu, uh, to address a joint session of Congress on the grave uh, threats of uh, radical Islam and... Uh, the threat that Iran poses uh, to not only the Middle East, but frankly to the world. American, uh, American and Israel have always stood together. Uh, we have a shared cause, we have common ideals, uh, and now we must rise to that moment once again. Uh, I did not consult with the White House. Uh, the Congress uh, can make this decision on its own. Uh, I don't believe I'm poking anyone in the eye. Uh, there is a serious threat that exists in the world. And the president uh, last night uh, kind of papered over it. And the fact is, is that there needs to be a more serious conversation in America about how serious the threat is uh, from radical uh, Islamic uh, jihadists and uh, the threat uh, posed by Iran. Well, the Obama's White House was quick to respond and not surprisingly is not going to meet with Netanyahu when he comes. USA Today reported Bernadette Meehan, a spokeswoman for the National Security Council, is stating, as a matter of long-standing practice and principle, we do not see heads of state or candidates in close proximity to their elections, as to avoid the appearance of influencing a democratic election in a foreign country. Meehan also reiterated Obama's opposition to sanctions with Iran. She stated the president has been clear about his opposition to Congress passing new legislation on Iran that could undermine our negotiations and divide the international community. End quote. So Israel and the threat of Iran now form the dividing line between the president and the Congress in American politics. 
Well, whether America wants it or not, God has predicted the course it will pursue as part of the protectorate of Israel in the latter days. As John Thomas predicted of Britain's involvement in Palestine prior to 1917, the same is true of America today. He wrote, their present intentions, however, are of no importance one way or the other because they will be compelled by events soon to happen to do under what existing circumstances heaven and earth combined could not move them to attempt. The finger of God has indicated a course to be pursued by Britain, and we would interject the other Tarshish nations, which cannot be evaded, and which her counselors will not only be willing, but eager to adopt when the crisis comes upon them. The decree has, the decree has long since gone forth, which calls upon the Lion of Tarshish to protect the Jews. So as we watch the Bible in the news, God's nation of Israel remains at the center of the spotlight in America, Europe, and Russia. We can be assured that God has determined about this nation will come about. The kingdom will be restored. Messiah will come, and it will be the center of world government. And it is only then that world peace can come. We read in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mount of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall say, come, let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. So join us next week, if we're still here, as we consider the Bible in the news.